John chapter 1. I have to brag a little bit. Um, if, you, if you don't have a, a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you. You can turn to page 886. We're going to be looking at the first five verses. Um, the, we're, we're taking a break from, from Acts. I promise you, look at me. I promise you, we're going to finish Acts. <laughs> this year or next year, we're going to finish Acts. Right? So um, I know we've, it's been a long trek. We've had some um, diversions and some other things that we had to address. But, um, so we're, we're going to take a pause, um, a short pause on, on our study in Acts. And we're going to jump into John. Um, I think I've already suggested to our staff that we're going we're gonna to stay in the first chapter, verse 9 for the next, I mean, verse 9, first 14 um, verses for the next couple of weeks. We may or may not do that. I don't know. Um, but um, the, the theme is uh, Jesus is the light. I, I also want to brag on uh, many ladies in our church and even men who have beautifully decorated our church um, with all the Christmas decor. Um, yes, you can clap for them. The reason why I make mention of it is because um, if you don't know this, they begin planning the, what they're going to do in February, right? They're, they're far more productive and work in advance than I do. And they planned it out and, and all summer, I mean, you see ladies coming in, working on all the decor, the trinkets, whatever you want to call them. Um, and they had a theme and the theme was Jesus is the light. And the, the reason why I, I bring it up is because... Um, Right, like we just don't decorate our church to make it look pretty, right? Like, and, and I know many people are like, oh no, but we should. The church should be pretty so people can like it. No, no, it's a building, right? Like, um, it's a building where the people of God who matter, who bear His image, meet in. So it doesn't matter what the church looks like, the building. But we decorate it during the Christmas holidays because what our desire is is that that our eyes and what we see would would communicate a message, right, and would communicate a story. Right? The, the decor in the church is not just to make it look pretty, but is that when you walk in, it's telling you a message. It's communicating a story to you. And, and the story is Jesus is the light. And, and it's an important message. Right? It, Jesus is the light sounds cliche. It's actually biblical. It's actually quoted in the Gospel of John. But, but like, it's appropriate for, for this season that we live in. I don't know about you. I, growing up, loved Thanksgiving and Christmas. How many of you, how many of you are like Thanksgiving people more than Christmas? Raise your hand. I'm, oh, okay. How many of you are like more Christmas than Thanksgiving? How many of you, this is a good one. How many of you are more New Year's than Thanksgiving and Christmas? Oh, I'm the only one. Oh, okay. Um, um, I growing up, like I loved Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, one, because, like, you can eat whatever you want and no one will judge you. That's the one day, right? Like, Christmas and Thanksgiving is like, oh, you don't have to feel ashamed of just, like, having three plates of food um, because they're also doing it, too. Um, growing up, I loved, I loved the holidays. The reason why I loved it, because um, typically, well, typically, in a Puerto Rican um, holiday, uh, it gets loud and boisterous and, you know, it gets crazy. But that's, like, every dinner and gathering of any Hispanic family. But I loved it because like, you know what was most important? Like the most important thing, it wasn't like the gifts. Growing up, I didn't have much. Like I grew up in the Bronx. When you live in the Bronx, you don't, you get, you get the Hess truck and you're happy, right? Like that's the thing I got, right? Um, but like the, the beauty of Christmas and even Thanksgiving was like to just be with family. Right? To be reminded of the good and sweet gift that God has given us to be around family or to be around people who, 
who, who love and care for you and you care for them. But over time, and you know this, I'm a glass half empty, right? So I'm the guy that like, it's 70 degrees outside. I'm like, oh, I wish it was 75. Um, <laughs> over time, I've become disenfranchised with the holidays. Like, I'm not, I love being with my family and I love having turkey, it's awesome. But a part of me is like, I'm over it. Like, I'm over Thanksgiving. I'm already over Christmas. I'm over it. Um, but here's why. The, the reason why is um, it has less to do with, with, with like, the actual meaning of it. What, what, what bothers me about it is, like, where, her, where our culture and world has taken it. Right? Like, Thanksgiving is not about, like, being with, with family and friends and sharing a meal. Um, it, it, it's... It's become political now, right? It's, it's about who can or cannot come, right? Who should or shouldn't come. Christmas, right? Like, it, it's about the, the frantic decision of what house we're going to go to, right? Like, you know, in, in the modern day, like, we got to go to mom's house, dad's house, grandma's house, and mamo and pappy are not happy. If you don't go to their house and we got to figure this out, we got to spend eight hours traveling to all the houses because if we don't do that, then everyone's going to be upset, right? Like, like. Christmas has, and the holidays have become just like overwhelming, right? The, the, the theme parties, like we gotta, we gotta have a theme and a charcuterie board and hey, we have to have a thousand cheeses, right? Because no one here is lactose intolerant, right? I mean, it's become, it's become secularized, right? And now you can't even see Merry Christmas now. You, got, you gotta be very careful when you go to work. Like you can't have Christmas decorations and, and if you do, you have to be inclusive about all the religions and all the ideas because we don't want to offend anybody because God forbid we offended anybody, right? We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, right? right? Like it's becoming, it's becoming secularized, right? Like we focus on the snowman and we focus on the candy canes and the tree and the lights. And then next thing you know, the nativity scene is further back. It gets a little bit smaller and we don't want to talk about Jesus. We don't want to talk about his birth because, because it's, not, it's not about, Christmas is not about that. It's about gifts. Who can go spend $1,800 on a phone to give it to somebody, Right? And that's the truth. And I'm not saying any of these things are bad. What I'm saying is those things have become primary, right? Those things have become more important. And then guess, get, guess what happens? What gets lost is the true meaning of Christmas. The true meaning of Christmas. And then, and then we get to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 is a beautiful passage, in my opinion. Um, I love the Gospel of John. Because John, John, this is not John the Baptist, this is John the Evangelist, this is the, the kid, we think it's a kid, he's young, because he's the last apostle to die, um, and, and this, is, this is the man or the boy who slept on Jesus' bosom, right? This is John the Beloved, right, that, who wrote the gospel, wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. And I love the gospel of John because, because he includes information that the other gospels don't include. And he's very poetic. And you're asking yourself, like, what does this have to do with Christmas? That was a quick change. No, this is, this is, what, it, this is what we see. This is John, in my opinion, this is John's Christmas story. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, is John, John's Christmas story. So we're going to read the first five verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. 
all things were created through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay. So you're saying you think this is John's Christmas story. Yes. This is why I think this is John's Christmas story. Because this is more than just a baby in a manger. Right? This is, this is more than just like an angel appearing to a virgin girl and saying, hey, guess what? I got good news. You're going to think it's bad news. You're pregnant. Huh? How? Like you are going to, 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 to give birth to the child who is going to be rejected by his people. You're going to give birth to a child who is going to be chastised by many. In fact, for the rest of your life, you're going to have a stigma in your entire life that you did something wrong and you did it. And, and this child is supposed to save the world, quote unquote, and he's supposed to save many people to come from generations to come. And, and you're going to have this child. It's, it's more than that. The Christmas story is more than just like the wise men looking at a star and being led by the spirit through the star to go visit um, Jesus, right? This is more than just a story about a wicked king who wants to kill all the children because he has an issue with himself. He's afraid that someone's going to usurp his power and authority. This is more than a story of just shepherds in the field being visited by angels and seeing a choir of angels. And all those things are good, right? Because you look at the story and you're like, wow, that's a powerful story. Angels visiting shepherds, angel visiting Mary, angel visiting Joseph, right? Like it's, that's, those are powerful illustrations, right? Yes. But the Christmas story is more than that. You want to know when the Christmas story begins? Look at verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The Christmas story begins before anything in the world is created and the Christmas story is Jesus. Before the creations of the universe, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, existed, right? Like, that's the whole point of this passage. If you want to know the main theme, if you'd like to take notes, like what is the whole point of this, right? We're talking about Jesus as the light, but, but what's the point? The point is this, that, that Jesus Christ pre-existed before the universe was created. Think about the power of that message. Right? That, that God had a plan and that plan existed before he created the heavens and the earth. The plan to send his son Jesus as a child to be in a manger that plan existed before the universe was created. And it starts with a person. It doesn't start with a plan. It started with a person. What we see in this passage, what John is trying to tell us is that the story of Jesus' earthly ministry, the story that uh, Jesus ministered to broken people, the, the message of the gospel, right? Because the, the first couple of verses, he's introducing this idea to prepare us for the ministry of Jesus and, and what he's saying in this, in all this, that this was planned from the very beginning, that the man who, who, who healed the sick, the man who, who spoke with his words, words of wisdom, who preached messages on mountains, who, who, who delivered um, himself 
as a, as a sacrifice for people. Like th this was a plan that existed before the foundations of the earth and more than just a plan, right? Like this started with a person. It started with God himself who existed before the universe. So, so the Christmas story doesn't start with Mary and Jesus in a manger. The Christmas story starts way at the beginning. God's revelation to us through his son, Jesus. Right, and, and we see this kind of picture because you read John 1, you're like, this sounds familiar. Like, where, where have you seen this before, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and, and he goes on to talk about that, that all things were made through him and all things were made for him, right? That, that, that things that we see in this, in this earth, like he made it. Where, where, do we, where have we seen this before? Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What John is pointing us to is the very beginning. So what does John say? Well, John says that there was the word. Why does John use the word? Why does he use that word, like the word, logos or logos, as some people pronounce it? Like, why does he use that idea? Why not just come out and say Jesus Christ? Why not just say like another title, like the Redeemer or or the provider, right? Like, why does he use the word? Two ideas. First reason why he uses it, because we see in the Old Testament, right, that God has revealed himself to Abraham. God has revealed himself to, to David. God has revealed himself to the prophets. And how has God revealed himself to them? He's revealed himself to, through words, right? Or a demonstration of his power, right? Like, like Moses goes up to a mountain and hears the voice of the Lord and, 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 and God writes 10 commandments on, on tablets and gives it to, to Moses. And, and that's how God communicated through his word, through his power. When he communicated to the prophets, right? What did the prophets say? The word of the Lord, right? Like the word of God says, and, and they communicated to, to kings and the nations what God had communicated to them. What else do we see in the Old Testament? We see God's great power, right, in, in, in the universe, whether in creation or using creation, right, like opening up the Red Sea and, and, and providing manna from heaven, a pillar of fire, right? Like these are all demonstrations, right, of, of God's power through his word. But we also see in the New Testament, what John is doing here is he's saying, no, like more than just communicating words, more than communicating ideas, more than just communicating his power. What John is doing is he's not redefining the word, logos. He, he's expanding the idea, and this is what he's saying. He's saying that God's power, God's might, God's wisdom, God's logic, God's reason, God's influence, God's communicative word is now revealed not through just those things, but through a person. That's what sets us apart from the rest of the world, right? That, that we serve a God who's real, who could be seen, who was seen, right? In those times, in the second century, right? Like that's what God is saying. Not a visitation, right, 
or a thought or a feeling from, from somewhere, right? Like our God revealed himself through his son, Jesus. And that's what John is communicating here. That the word, the word is God. The word existed before the creations, before the creation of the heavens and the earth. That's the beginning of the Christmas story. And it's very important for us to realize that. The Christmas story doesn't begin or end with a baby in a manger. The Christmas story begins, right? With the triumphal introduction of God. And the Christmas story ends with the triumphal entry of God. It begins with God. It ends with God. That's the whole point. So what does John communicate else in this passage? I think there's a couple of things that I think would help us understand the true meaning of Christmas, right? Just like I want us to see beyond just the stories of Christmas, which they are good and right, but I want us to see past that and a little bit deeper and going back to the beginning of that, that Jesus is the light. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but I want to first start us off that the, the whole point of Christmas, the beginning of Christmas begins at the very beginning before everything was created. And there's a couple of things that John is pointing to us here about the word, the logos. And, and this, this is what, what he's pointing to, right? Um, I'm going to quote John Piper. Um, I like to quote people who are a lot smarter than I am because I'm not that smart. Um, I'm as smart as like two rocks put together. So what I do is I just quote other people and then you think I'm smart. So that's how that works. I love what John says, John Piper says about um, the word, the logos, of why John the Beloved, the author of the gospel, actually um, uses the word. This is beautiful. Um, he's talking about this, John, the writer. John calls Jesus the word because he had come to see the words of Jesus as the truth of God and the person of Jesus as the truth of God in such a unified way that Jesus himself in his coming and working and teaching and dying and rising was the final and decisive message of God. So what does that mean? It means this, that the, the best way, the ultimate way that God has communicated himself more than words and more through power, the best way that God has communicated himself from beginning to end is through his son Jesus, through the word. And God had to say to us was not only mainly what Jesus said, but who Jesus was and what Jesus did. His words clarified himself and his work, right? So Jesus's life ministry on earth and the work that he does now interceding on our behalf communicates to us through his word, right? Of who God the Father is, the triune God, who, who God is to us. That is the power of the work of Jesus Christ. It's the best thing that we could ever experience. And the hardest thing for us to understand, right? That, that we serve one God, three persons, and God the Father's Spirit reveals himself to us through his son Jesus, right? Who is a person who has a physical body, right? Um, I, I did my lecture, you guys know, a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, you sit... 
you know, it's a fun thing to do, right? You sit in front of 15 pastors and they just ask you questions for three and a half hours and you always feel good about yourself when you walk out because you feel so smart and you feel real equipped to do ministry after they ask you all these questions. And one of the questions that they asked me was, um, one of the questions they asked me was, um, what is the Trinity and how would you explain it? Is there an illustration that you can use to explain the Trinity? And this is the God on the street, this is what I said, no. And you know, one of the things what they do is like they try to get you on your own words. So I just give them a little information as I can. If they wanted to know more information, they just gotta ask. But like they would have to pull it out of me. I was like, you wanna do this for three hours? I'm gonna make it worth your while, trust me. <laughs> I, I will make sure that you guys will love this experience. So they asked me, do you have any illustration um, for the Trinity? I said, no. And they said, please explain. And I said, there isn't. No, I will, there is no illustration that can best describe the infinite wonder of our God, right? And, and I just said, like, I, there's a mystery, right? We serve one God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Please explain. I can't. That's what the Bible says. That's where we just, we just got to trust, right? Like, a part of me is just like, we just got to trust. That's what faith is, Right? That's what faith is. So I, I didn't explain even more. I was like, there's no illustration. But you know some of the illustrations, right? They're really bad, right? The, the egg thing, right? What's the shell, then the thing, and then the yolk, whatever the thing is. I'm not doing that. Just, that's not. Imagine that, just having to explain to someone, like, God is like an egg. You have the shell and the yolk. What's the yellow part in the middle? That's the yolk. What's the white part? The whites, okay. Duh. <laughs> See, that's why I didn't use that illustration. I don't even know the terminology of an egg. And I'm going to explain the Trinity to 15 pastors with 20 years of life. I'm telling you, that's just, this is crazy. Anyway, so, so there, is, there, there really isn't a good explanation or illustration, rather, of the Trinity. But this is what we see here in this passage, right? This is, this is Trinitarian, what, what, what John is describing. He doesn't um, necessarily include the Holy Spirit, but we look at other passages and we see that this is Trinitarian, right? That when John is saying that the Word, and he's saying that the Word is Jesus Christ, what is he saying? He's saying, well, Jesus Christ is God. He's actually Yahweh, the, 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 they, they're, they're three in one. Like, how God has revealed himself, he's revealed them now through Jesus. That's the beauty. So, so what does John say about the word? What does John say about this Christmas story? Well, he says in the first two verses, if you look at them, that the word was eternally with God and was God. That's what he's saying. This is the whole point of our faith. This is the reason why we worship. Like we don't serve other gods, we serve one God and that's, that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit and what he's saying here that Jesus who John believed, who he saw, who he witnessed, who he saw die and who he saw resurrected from the grave and, and saw him in person, who he ate with and drank with, this, this person, the second person of the Trinity always existed from the very beginning. What else does he say? If you look at verse three, he also says that the word Jesus, the Logos, is the creator of all things. 
I love the, the terminology that he uses here in, in this passage, right? Um, I, I love that he says in verse three, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Um, I, I love that picture because what John, what John is saying that there is a, a connection. This is interesting. It's, there, it's a weird relationship. Not, I shouldn't say weird. Um, it's a relationship between God the Father and God the Son. We say that God is, God the Father is the creator and sustainer of the universe. But how did God the Father create and how does he sustain the entire universe? He does it through his son Jesus, right? So there's a relationship there that they have in, in the creation, right? This is what Colossians 1.6 says, right? What does what is this 1.16 It says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, that's the things that we see, the things that we don't see, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. And he is before all things, in him all things hold together. What does Paul say in Colossians? That Jesus holds everything in his hands. He, he is the creator and sustainer of all things. The, the breath in our lungs, the stars and galaxy in the sky, the, the wormholes and the black holes and all those things in the universe. Like He holds those things together. This is what the author of Hebrews say too, right? Long ago. And many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers. By who? By the prophets. So what is he referring to? God communicated word to the prophets. But, but the author of Hebrews says, now, how, how has God communicated himself? How has God revealed himself to this world, to people, to his creation, to people who bear the image of God? This is what the author of Hebrews says. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom all also he created the world. Right, so, so God's, God's revelation, self-disclosure of who he is, is revealed through his son, Jesus. So you're asking yourself, what's the point? Why does this matter? This is why it matters, look with me. Verse four, this is why it matters. My opinion, verse four and five are probably one of the most important verses in the gospel. Here's why, let's read it. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. And I'm about to read the, my favorite part. Um, I love this. And the darkness has not overcome it. That's why. That's why Jesus is the light. That's why John tells us that, that the word has always existed before the creation because it shows us what? It shows us God's purpose. It shows us Jesus' purpose and Jesus' power. Um, I, for some reason, I love, like, I love like fighting words. What I mean by that is like, I like watching war movies. I like watching action. I just like a good fight, man. I just like, growing up, my parents introduced me to box. I didn't, like, I would love to be a boxer or MMA fighter. The reason why I'm not is because I don't want to get hurt. So, <laughs> I like to see other people get hurt, but I, 
I know that sounds bad, relax. I, I know that sounds bad, but like, I just like language, like we're gonna fight. I don't know what it is, but I just wanna, I'm from the Bronx, you know, it's a little scrappy, but like, I love this idea, right? That, that, that he's talking about here, right? That, that, and the darkness has no overcoming, because we tend to think of God as like, oh, he's coming down, and he's like riding on a horse, and he's a baby in a manger. No, this is a warrior God who's coming down to fight against the principalities of darkness who have no power over him. So like, like when we're thinking about the Christmas story, when we're thinking about the Christmas story, we think of this cute baby. No, this baby is a warrior. This baby is a king. He's coming to fight against, against the principalities of darkness that are trying to overcome it. And what's the promise in John? They haven't. If you look at that very end, it says, and the darkness has not, past tense, Think about this, that Jesus Christ defeated, look at me, Jesus Christ defeated the power of sin and death before the universe was even created. That is the power of Jesus, right? So, so when John's talking about like the word is life and light, what is he talking about? He's talking about, well, life. He's not talking about physical life. He's talking about spiritual life, zoe. That's the Greek word, spiritual life. And what is the light? Jesus, but what, what about Jesus? The truth about Jesus, the, 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 the power of the gospel, the, 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 the gospel light. That, that, that is the light, that, that the light is the truth about Jesus. So what John is saying here is that, the, that Jesus Christ, the Logos, who existed before the creations of the world, is coming down to do what? To expose the truth of who he is, what he's going to do, and how power, the power of sin and death, the power of Satan and his demons, can't not overcome him. See, that's the beauty of the Christmas story, is that Jesus, who becomes a child, grows up to be a man, to do what? to give life. I love this idea between life and light, right? Because so much of our world is broken. Look at me, like, life ain't getting better. When you look at our world and our culture, right? Our world and our culture wants to redefine everything that God has created and redefine that everything God has established. They want to change what we believe about men, what we believe about women, what we believe about our sexuality, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about our mental thoughts, right? Like they want to teach us, right, that, that anxiety and fear is who we are and our identity. Our world is trying to teach us that divisiveness between politics is what we ought to do, right? Like that is what our world and our culture is trying to teach. And what, what, what John is saying here is that Jesus, when he comes, because we live in a fallen and broken world, because we cannot see, right? Our world cannot see clearly. Our world has decided to take truth and say, no, truth is a lie. Truth is relative. Speak your own truth because your truth is true. No, that's nonsense. There is one truth. So the whole point of Jesus coming is to expose the lie of the darkness and to expose it with light. Why? Because, because light is a dark, I mean, excuse me, light is the absence of darkness. So, so the whole point of Jesus coming is to expose the lie that we've always believed. To expose the truth 
that Jesus is better than everything that we could imagine. That the life we have in Jesus is better than our identity in whatever we think or feel. Like, think about that. Like, that Jesus is better than all those things. He's better. He's better than what you feel about yourself. He's better than what you identify as yourself. He's, he's better than what society says. He's better than what the world says. Like, you can have hope. You can have peace. You can have joy. And not in what the world says and the lie of the world, but you can have all those things in Jesus. And that's what John's saying. John's saying is that Jesus comes in that light to expose. To expose what? Not only the lie of the world, but to bring to light, to expose the truth about himself, that he's coming down as a warrior king to defeat what you and I could not defeat. And that is sin and death. Like life with Jesus is much better, right? I recently did a funeral um, this past week. And I love doing Christian funerals. Um, if you've ever been to uh, a non-Christian funeral, it's, it is probably one of the worst experiences that you'll, you'll have because it's so dark because there's no hope. You go to a Christian funeral and it's like you're crying and you're grieving, but there's some joy. Why? Because though, though we know the physical reality of what sin has done, which is, right, like our physical bodies die, we know that, that, that the gospel, the light, Jesus coming in has defeated that. So what happens? That person who believes in Jesus, who's put their faith in Jesus, when they physically die, what does the Bible say? They are present, they are present in, with the Lord. That's the beauty of what Jesus has done. That's the beauty that we preach about today. That this plan, this God that we serve, had this figured out since the very beginning, before the creations of the world. And that is our response. What, I mean, excuse me, what should be our response to this? I think it's beautiful what our response should be. John tells us what our response should be. John 16, says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Why? Because in a dark and fallen and sinful world, there's much anxiety and fear. And Jesus, the light that exposes that fear, that exposes the chaos, that exposes the sin and death, what does Jesus provide? He says, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Imagine that, that the sin that you struggle with, the temptation that you find yourself fighting against every single day has already been defeated. So like when you're worried about your sin, when you're worried about like the temptation and you're, you're, you're overwhelmed about the, your, your lack of discipline in, in, in sanctification, just know that Jesus already defeated it, that, that the darkness and sin cannot overcome you. Like in fact, Darkness and sin and death cannot have any more ground. It's done. It's finished. Though we physically experience all those things, we have to constantly remind ourselves that it has been defeated. Because that's the whole point of Christmas, right? Like the beauty of Christmas is that it doesn't end with like, hey, Jesus is a baby and he grows up and he's a good kid. No, Jesus, Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. 
That's the whole point of Christmas, and that's what we celebrate. We celebrate the plan, but most importantly, we celebrate the person that God has provided for us before we were even born, before the world was created and the stars were put in, in the sky, and before, before the, the lands come together and the animals were on earth, the plan was already there. So what should we have is hope. Let's pray. God, let this word be true in our lives, that you are the light of the world, and it's just more than just a saying or a phrase, but it's, it's a reminder of, of your power over sin and death. It's a reminder, God, that, that you have conquered, you have defeated, you have extinguished the effects and influences of sin and this dark world, and that we have overcome it through, through your son, Jesus. And we celebrate Christmas as a reminder of your redeeming work in our lives. And we pray that this week, this time and this season, with all the frantic planning, that we would be reminded of the true meaning of Christmas and more than just a baby. It's the second person of the Trinity. It's God revealed to us through Jesus Christ. We thank you and we praise you. And the people of God say, This has been a message from The Chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about The Chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.